Hello and welcome to A Plus News. This is Richard, and I hope you're having a great day so far. And uh, according to my watch, it's Thursday, the 13th. So I hope that uh, you've either had a great day, and it's probably maybe nighttime, or maybe you're just getting started in the U.S. Here, I'm in I'm in Utah, which is about the Midwest, and um, 85 degrees outside, and it's about 1.30, so um, that's where I'm coming from. So I hope the uh, people in the U.S., they've had some storms in the east and across the Midwest. I hope their electricity's back on, and uh, or else, uh, you know, just make sure they're safe. Okay. Okay. Uh, would like to welcome all of the different listeners from the various countries. Um, I'm really excited to announce uh, the many countries that we have uh, beginning. Uh, okay, get over here with my uh, platform. Um, of course, besides the United States, we have the United Kingdom, Ireland, India, Germany, Malaysia, Switzerland, Australia, and Penang. So, um, Penang's welcome. You, you're new, and I see you on uh, Google Earth here. I had to find out where you are. And you know, interesting, interesting. I'd love to know about new places and if nobody has heard of Panyang, I'm just backing out here. If you ever use Google Earth, it's, it's amazing. It is really amazing. Central, I mean, by a national park, Central Kalimantan. I'm not pronouncing that correctly. I know. I'm sorry. Um, it is. Has Barbados been? I'm trying to think of a place I've been. Put perhaps in that area. But. Uh, no, I haven't. Yet, but I'll keep looking. Okay, today we're going to talk about something that's uh, a little different regarding going back to school for the in this pandemic, the coronavirus pandemic. And our president, current president, President Trump, he appears to uh, ignore it. Not think it's a big thing, it'll be over with, and things like that as our cases. And I'm, at least in the United States, continue to increase and our deaths um, keep rising. So, but we're um, kind of used to that from now on. The elections are coming up in November. So, 
we have uh, someone that we want to like that's knows about COVID more than President Trump. Okay, so that's the political <laughs> political portion of my podcast, I guess you could say. But no, um, what has been t- the big thing here in the United States has been how do we get the children back to school and safely without getting the coronavirus, without the teachers getting it, um, bringing it home to their to their parents or grandparents. And it's it's a um, it's an interesting, worthwhile topic because I'm a big believer. If you know me, of a uh, progression, how our how the human uh, humans progress and progress as a um, as a country, as a world in in time. So. Uh, what I'm saying is that the changes we make now, even though, you know, for this coronavirus, in my opinion, will be fairly permanent. And unless we decide to go to Mars or someplace like that, which our uh, Elon Musk is going to be going to, but not not for a while. He's got to go. We got to develop, develop a base on the moon. But no, seriously, uh, he has a rocket that's designed to, uh, he's designing to go to Mars. And the purpose is to, of course, to um, continue our population as uh, the type of humans we are, because the Earth's not going to go on forever. And everything dies. And I think we kind of, talked about that but we talked more about the human body and it you know we don't live forever and universes are, are uh, let's, let's scale back here a little bit um worlds uh, ch- change uh, as, as you know if you go back in history to before um pc of course the um, damage in which we've done so far environmentally has caused the glaciers to melt and is all that ice is turning into water and it's got to go somewhere. So it's, it's beginning to affect our shores and probably the shores all over the world. So it's uh, evolving and that's another word uh evolve but when you something evolves it's permanent and it doesn't evolve backwards unless well there's one exception to that if if you're a quantum theory individual then of course that would be an exception but the children and and just to um I don't know, clarify my background. And I have a, a graduate degree in, in, in clinical social work and we worked with families and and children and a lot of teenagers. 
and we, we learned at least the different, uh, um, well, burdens that they have to carry even as children if their parents are, uh, are poor, such as there's this, we have organizations that uh, are called the Division of Family Services, and whenever a child is mistreated, um, they uh, call the Division of Family Services, and a social worker goes out and and tries to. Well, my well, my organization tried to keep the child in the family, and that was mainly from teaching the parents better parenting skills. So we worked with all all types of uh, mostly single parent families. Um, and some were fairly poor and some not. I mean, you have, you can have some rich, uh, quote, rich kids and parents and the child can still be mistreated. Um, my definition of mistreatment is fairly wide, um, or I should say abuse. Uh, there's many, many forms of abuse, you know, especially in children and, and adults, too. Um, um, so many, you know, it's take another episode to, to talk about that. <clears throat> so the, the, the fact of the matter is, in the United States, uh, our record or our... Uh, um, reports of child abuse or neglect have gone up since the kids have had to stay at home. Um, and I don't know if it's the parent or the grandfather or who, but there seems to be um, some additional time for the whoever to abuse or to... to um, I think I think it, it it's more. I mean, it could be a result of a mental disorder that the parent has, or I mean, it could be a brother, even an older brother, um, that is abusive. Um, there's verbal abuse, and believe it or not, a man can be abused by their wives, both physically, mentally. And so forth. So I kind of uh, had to specialize in that or learn all about that because I specialize in what's called post traumatic stress disorder. Okay, there's a little split there. I'm sorry. Um, post traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. Um, now we know that. Uh, um, PS, we started to learn about PTSD during the Vietnam War. Well, I think it may have started World War II. I'm not sure. But we know that veterans at times would go to a veteran's hospital for uh, treatment. And then a psychiatrist would be called in um, as a result of them complaining about bad, consistent bad dreams of things that happened in the field, you know, 
And you can imagine what soldiers go through. And it gives, at least gives me a, a different level of respect. Now, that was originally how PTSD was discovered. And then uh, the uh, definition broadened to many other things. For example, uh, myself, I worked in the ICU, I think I mentioned, which is intensive care unit of a hospital for a couple of years. And there's a couple of incidences where um, people, where we had to pull the tube and the family was there and, uh, or turn off the machine, pull it to, we call it, well, basically the same thing. And uh, it's, it's not, um, as you could probably imagine, a, a good thing. Um, that's, I, I really don't like funerals because when I was about five, I saw my grandfather in a casket. Um, that traumatized me. Uh, some people it doesn't affect, and some it does. Um, it, if, if you were abused, sexually abused, or physically abused by a parent when you're little, you're more um, sensitive to abuse around you as you get older. So, um, uh, there was a time I, I, I would go around with the uh, students, the medical students, and the doctors in the ICU, and there was a couple of times where the medical students and the doctor uh, gave me a invitation to go watch a um, well, uh, autopsy. We had someone in the, uh, I don't know what they call doctors who do autopsies, but um, they, they, their job is to basically find out how or what disease caused the death of someone. And of course the family or the individual has to give consent. And so I, I went down and, and watched an autopsy, and that's pretty, I mean, it was interesting. I already knew anatomy and physiology. It's just, um, you know, you see a human liver on a scale, and, well, I'm not going to go any further. <laughs> just put it, it's abusive. So... Let's get back to the to the kids and being taught this year. So there, there's been a the reason why parents are, want the kids to go back to school um, is is that that's one of the reasons because they they, they um, at least the school district or the pro group that wants to, that thinks the students are okay going back, um, they cite these uh, um, studies from the ch child's children being abused at home, <clears throat> which is true. Uh, so um, that's their excuse for taking the, you know, having all the children go back to school. 
period, be in front of a teacher. Now, the alternative is uh, having the child stay at home and through a program, which I think Google has created, uh, a couple of programs, the child sits there with a laptop computer or desktop computer and can see the teacher. The teacher has a uh, technical camera in the classroom, and that's it. And he's standing in front of a chalkboard. And then the, 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 all the students are projected, or he can see through the cameras on the computers, the children, at least their faces. And uh, he can uh, uh, find out or at least look at them, see who's in attendance and and make sure they're paying a, or try to make sure they're paying attention for the subject that he's teaching. <clears throat> now, uh, and then and then there's the in the middle group, which says, okay, let's have the kids go to back to school for three days and then homeschool for three days or two days. And uh, a lot of schools are, t are, are going that route. Um, well, we won't really know. And this is, this is a facet of the coronavirus that has made this confusing, not only to the professionals, the doctors, but all the way down to the children. Because who really suffers are the children from one day to the next. They don't know if they're going to be actually going to the school or sitting in front of a computer and learning. So that's what I mean by, uh, um, you know, there being confusion. Now, it's nobody's fault. I'm not, you know, the only thing to blame is, is the COVID-19 because this is new, this is brand new. But um, as the year goes on, I think we'll get better at whichever route the school chooses. And um, my, in my opinion, that'll continue on into the, even the summer possibly, and the, uh, the following year, if they make adjustments that are needed. So the adjustments being one, there are low income students or families, I should say, that can't afford computers for their three or four, five children. In Utah, there's typically uh, more children per capita than any other state. And then it also depends on the age range. Um, now, I volunteered in classes for, for about a year in kindergarten and during the first grade as an observer and a helper, I guess, if you'd say, because I was raising my um, son who from birth up to the age of four. And so I decided to ask the teacher if I could be an assistant in the classroom. And this was a male teacher, so I thought this is a really excellent uh, um, experience. 
because uh, there, at least here in Utah, there's a, there was only one male teacher in the entire district. And he and I talked about it. And yes, it was a hindrance for him. He was he had a master's and wanted to go on and get his doctorate. But I learned a lot from him, uh, particularly about um, how he, uh, uh, let's see, what's the good word? He Every child was different, and he knew each child and what their needs were, which, you know, it's unique unless you have a very large classroom. And sometimes we have problems with that here in Utah. We have 30, 31, 33 students, or we did have per teacher. So if uh, that, that's, that's another thing is if we went back to all the children going back to school into a building, then they have to, uh, they have to uh, be separated so they're far enough away you all have to be wearing masks and um i think uh the distance now that's safe is six around six feet and they've discovered that the virus can hang in the air for more than 48 hours so uh and children we used to believe that children were more or less immune uh, to the coronavirus, but now we understand that it's displays itself in children and just uh, uh, with some different symptoms. And children have a higher survivability rate. But like I said earlier, the issue was getting the children into the school if they were exposed and they come home to grandma that's tending them um who has asthma or their dad who has asthma or or something like that um it takes and this is one of the other problems two weeks from uh, being presented with the, the body being presented with the coronavirus and it's presenting symptoms so two weeks is a long time the um, one thing that we haven't spent money on in the United States is testing. Uh, certainly, uh, taking a you know temperature of kids as they come in the through the front door, you do that. Um, we could swab their nose every other day or whatever, uh, but those results are coming back two weeks late. I mean, it be, I think what they're working on is a test that works almost immediately. So you replace the thermometer. Uh, well, you probably use the thermometer too with uh, a test that is instantaneous. Um, so that's, uh, uh, these are just, you know, some of the um, things that uh, have to be arranged and organized and accomplished. Now, let's compare that to the child at home. Um, 
Now, uh, in my opinion, the child at home is also subject to um, probably just as much exposure after he leaves the home from learning because he's going to go play with his friends, he or she, and that's normal. But again, you're exposing, I mean, it's it's a risk that, that has to be taken because kids need that, um, need to play, they need to learn how to play with others, they need to, uh, and I'm talking about uh, first graders and kindergartners and, you know, they uh, need to be, go to a park and create things in the sand and and learn how to be sociable uh, that's 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 a very important um, milestone in a child's life i've seen children who uh, are told that they come right home and they're not to play um, for whatever reason and um Later on, as you see them in second, third, fourth grade, you see them um, as more inactive. Uh, those are the kids who tend to be on a, the computer more often, playing games or uh, what have you. Not that the parent doesn't want them to go outside. It's their... You don't have feel like they have the confidence or skills to go out and play with other friends. And, I mean, even up to the teenager, you can, I mean, I was a shy teenager, and I wish I had more skills that I was, uh, um, throughout the earlier years in junior high, uh, I wish I participated more in, 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 groups at school to give me that uh, exposure. So that's the other thing is you have um, groups in school, which some teachers have study groups, some even in K um, to first grade, they, uh, the teachers put them in smaller groups and they're teaching them how to work in small groups because that's the way society is now that there's something that can't be taught at home so i think the big question is going to be um it's well it's going to be an experiment unfortunately and like I said, it's no one's fault because we we just do not know COVID. Um, but we will. If it turns out that the school itself is a very, it turns out to be that it's just not a healthy place. The kids, a lot of kids are getting hospitalized from uh, being exposed to other kids, then, you know, it's, there's no choice really except to um, do a school, to do a, a range of home um, education. Now, we, we haven't 
at least as I know, there, there's there's very few um, studies that are out there that have, um, you know, studied students learning on a computer with the rest of the class. I know it's been around because I know in Virginia, when I lived in Virginia, Virginia was known more, they had, their schools had a little more money where we lived in Virginia and Reston. And they did have a class where the teacher was not there present physically, but it was, the teacher was there on a computer screen. And then he had a camera directed towards all the class. So that was a little different. But uh, if you're not familiar with the way they're going to do the computer teaching, you should probably um, explore that with the teacher. I would go to the your children's school and ask them what uh, means to be taught through on a computer. How do they do that? Because, like you said, there's different applications. Uh, that Google was made. So uh, the one that I've seen was created a couple months ago. And it, it uh, the, the screen is all divided into these little squares. And that's all these little squares, are, you know, have, have the kids in each square. And that, that's not much. So for those who are in communication, um, you know that 20% of the communication of someone is verbal, and the rest, I think it's more than what I'm saying, but a minimum 80% is body language. And for the most part, I know in kindergarten, first grade, the teacher is observing body language. And uh, I mean, that's, that's really the only, I mean, you can have a, a child that is just very quiet, doesn't appear to behave, behaviorally doesn't respond, um, maybe uh, to, 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 to group uh, um, activities and things like that, and that can um, say to the teacher, well, uh, maybe I better call on a special ed teacher. So, and, and we had special ed teachers, if you want to call them that, but they, they were just teachers who had more time to spend with these children uh, for a couple hours or more each day. So they take the children out of class and into another classroom and, and more or less uh, um, kind of just coach them individually. Now, if uh, we're in a home situation, just a home situation, um, we're going to have to have social workers or some sort of certified individual go out to these children's homes and check on them. <laughs> I mean, if uh, I, I would definitely recommend that after working 
with TCFS uh, in uh, St. Louis and Illinois because that's, uh, you know, there's a lot of distractions at home. And we may say to the parent, look, we've got to, you've got to have the child in a place looking at a computer screen, not distracted. I think that's impossible. That's my opinion. Um, you have the helicopter parents and the, um, that would, I mean, a whole episode of, of, of uh, someone in there observing the child, maybe for one or two classroom episodes would be a great idea. I don't know where the money is going to come from to hire those extra people, but that would work, I think. I mean, that's the second best to compare to actually going to school, but we're going to have to have a, uh, a lot more, uh, many more individuals who are specialists, specialists in education to go out and observe uh, and see how the child is learning. If, if, if I mean, um, I don't know how a kindergarten is going to, kindergarten is going to operate a computer. They can sit there and listen, but there's more than listening. And how is that child going to get the, the, the coloring pages? And it's, it's not, I mean, there's computers you can, uh, with screens that you can write on, but not, uh, those are, those are $1,000. Parents don't need to spend that much money. Um, there's Chromebooks that you can get at Walmart for two to $300. I have two sitting on my desk and, uh, they're excellent computers. You, you know, parents aren't, I hope parents don't feel like they have to pay a thousand dollars for a computer if they don't have one. And um, they might be at grandma's house too, being tended. And grandma, and grandpa aren't going to know how to use a you know a computer. At least my dad didn't, and he tried hard, but you know how that goes. So. Um, so I'm going to take a little, kind of a voice break here and uh, think about, um, I, I would really want to know your thoughts. I know there's a lot of moms out there that are listening to this um, since you're in different places, even in the world. I'd love to hear, and everybody else would love to hear what you have to say. Um, so I'm going to put my uh, direct email on the title of this but for now uh i'll be back in just a minute all right so we'll let's stop there and go to let's just uh since uh, we've spent uh some significant time already let's just go to uh ibis ai i call it an artificial intelligence disk that made by Google and uh, let's see what the world news is hey Google what is the world news here's the latest world news from DW 
1 p.m. today. This is DW News, and these are our top stories. U.S. President Donald Trump has announced that Israel and the United Arab Emirates have agreed to a U.S. brokered plan to normalize their relations. The UAE will recognize the Jewish state in return for Israel, suspending its plans to annex more parts of the Palestinian West Bank. Germany's foreign minister says the European Union has to increase pressure on Belarus's president, Alexander Lukashenko. At a press conference with his Norwegian counterpart, Heiko Maas said the brutality of security forces in Belarus and the detention of peaceful protesters and journalists was not acceptable in 21st century Europe. Germany's health minister has warned of a worrying increase in COVID-19 infections with the highest daily number of new cases seen today since May. Many cases have been traced to returning vacationers. Meanwhile, the state of Bavaria is racing to inform 900 people of positive test results, which were delayed due to manual data processing. This is DW News from Berlin. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DW News, or you can visit our website. That's DW.com. From Euronews Voice, Global News at 11.08 p.m. last Sunday. From BBC Minute at 1.57 p.m. today. James at home and Andrew at home for a socially distanced BBC Minute. Fast to the Middle East, Israel and the United Arab Emirates have agreed to normalize relations. Their deal involves Israel halting plans to call certain land in the West Bank its own. The Israelis have long occupied the territory, but Palestinians claim a right to it too. Palestinian officials accuse the United Arab Emirates of selling them out. The World Health Organization has downplayed the risk of humans catching COVID-19 from food. That's after China said it detected traces of the virus on imported food and containers from Latin America. The Formula E electric racing series has concluded its pandemic-delayed season with a final race in Berlin. In football, Leipzig are playing Atletico Madrid in the Champions League quarterfinals. And Andrew, just imagine having a teenager as president. Well, a 19-year-old is joining the race in Uganda. First, Hilary Humphrey Kawesa needs to collect 100 signatures in each of the country's 100 districts. 1959. BBC. Minutes. From BBC News Summary at 1.06 p.m. today. I'm Stuart McIntosh with the BBC News. Hello. Israel and the United Arab Emirates have agreed to normalize diplomatic relations, which the U.S. helped broker. President Trump announced the deal from the White House, describing it as an historic breakthrough. Under the deal, Israel agrees to suspend its controversial plan to annex parts of the occupied West Bank. The UAE has said it made the agreement with Israel in order to deal with the threat an annexation would pose to the two-state solution. Speaking in Jerusalem, Mr Netanyahu said the agreement would benefit both countries and the wider region. President Trump's Middle East plan served as a basis for today's historic peace announcement. Israel and the UAE are two of the most advanced countries in the world. Together, we'll transform the region and forge an even better future for our people. This is a future of peace future of security and the future of prosperity. 
President Mahmoud Abbas has called for an urgent meeting of the Palestinian leadership to discuss their response. Hamas, which controls Gaza, has rejected the agreement as what it called a reward for Israeli occupation and crimes. The Egyptian president, Abdul Fattah al-Sisi, said he valued the efforts of those in charge of the agreement. Barbara Pletasha has this assessment. This is the first Arab-Israeli peace agreement since Israel and Jordan signed a treaty in 1994. Under its terms, the UAE and Israel will exchange ambassadors and embassies and set up shipping, air, telecommunications and other links. Israel has also suspended its plans to unilaterally annex parts of the occupied West Bank, which have been widely condemned as a death blow to any remaining chances for a peace deal with the Palestinians. This is a major breakthrough for Israel and a foreign policy achievement for Mr. Trump ahead of presidential elections in November. Washington has suspended all private charter flights between the United States and Cuba. The Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, accused Havana of using tourism and travel to finance abuses and interference in Venezuela. The suspension comes into force on October the 13th, the birthday of the late Cuban leader Fidel Castro. Workers at some state-run companies in Belarus have joined protests against President Alexander Lukashenko and the violent crackdown that followed his disputed election victory. Elsewhere, thousands of women in the capital Minsk and other cities have been marching or forming human chains. Some of the more than 6,000 people detained since Sunday's elections have been released from jail. The Turkish president says anyone attacking an oil exploration ship Ankara has sent to disputed waters in the eastern Mediterranean will pay a high price. Recep Tayyip Erdogan seemed to suggest that such an encounter had already taken place, saying the attackers had already got their first answer, but he gave no further details. You're listening to the latest world news from the BBC. Okay. And that is uh, actually... Um, some of that, some of the voices that you hear, some of those voices are actually um, computer simulated voices. They do a really good job, as you can tell. Um, but I'm not a computer, I promise. <laughs> but uh, what I, uh, once again, um, I think we'll. Uh, continue our discussion tomorrow and invite you to please send in your um, ideas, your suggestions uh, about schools opening or anything else because we are are a diverse um, I mean it's very fortunate that we're, we this is a diverse group um, that are listening to this podcast. So your ideas are valuable. So uh, send me an email as I will put on the um, topic portion of the description. And this is Richard with A Plus News. Thanks for listening.